0: I a
1: to Lave Radio, the show that discusses all things with the community and development of Elite Dangerous. I'm Chris Jarvis, standing in for Commander Fozzer Forrester, and this week we're going to be talking about LaveCon, our event that happened a couple of weeks ago, and just talking through some of the things that we enjoyed, some of the things we hope you enjoyed, and catching up with a few little bits of news that have come out of Frontier Developments. We are also joined by games journalist extraordinaire Lisa Vu. So I think without further ado, we'll, we'll start with you, Lisa.
2: Hi, thank you for the very generous introduction. Some people might know me as Vu from my website, Vu's Review. I'm also Vu on the forums as well.
1: Excellent. And as some of you will have noticed, I am adibling my way horribly through an intro because we are lacking Chris Foster Forrester this week. But we are also joined by the man who has had such an interesting week. He wanted an introduction to discuss
0: it, Alan Stroud. Thanks for that, Chris. I did have a very interesting week. Actually, i have just come back today, just had dinner with Drew, which was nice. Yeah, we had a two-hour sit-down in London, and he showed me the Lloyds building. I will mention that I paid for dinner. <laughs> Drew didn't pay for dinner. Did he just get if, up to um, leave
3: without paying? No,
0: no, I would say that if Drew's wallet was a blaster, and we were in the Moss Isley Cantina, Han definitely shot first, let's put it that way. He's you comparing know,
2: was... yourself to Han Solo there, Alan.
0: He was pretty slow on the wallet. Let's put it that way. All right. (laughs) To be fair, I did pull a fast one in that. I thought that, it was funnier that I pay for dinner and then mention it on the next time we were recording an episode <laughs> than I remember anything. That else.
2: Next time I see you, I'll be really glacial in getting my wallet out.
0: Well, it's just because it's Drew, because it's previous, and you know, and he forgot to pay for breakfast at, at Lavecon two thousand and thirteen. So you know, I thought it was particularly poignant. But yes, obviously, I pay for dinner for everybody. So yeah, if you ever see me anywhere in a restaurant, of course, because I have the gross GDP of lave to to back up my <laughs> my spending power. So yes, of course, I can pay for meals for absolutely anyone with a planet behind me. Excellent. And also
1: joining us, we have the man whose forum authority will be respected, Mr. John Stabler.
3: Good evening. Thank you for having me again. And how have you been? I've been really good, yeah. My week hasn't been as exciting as Alan's. The only news I have to report is that I've been reading Lave Revolution on my Kindle when going back and forth to work all week.
0: Finally.
1: Honestly, <laughs> <Well, laughs> no, no, I thought the question on that there was then going to be, and how are you enjoying it, rather than <laughs> about time. Alan knows better <laughs> than to ask
3: that. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's... <laughs> I haven't finished it. So no. um, maybe the next podcast—I I certainly should have finished it by then.
0: Do I need to go away? No, no, <laughs> it's it. fine. So you, can, so you can talk amongst yourselves no, with that. It's fine. No, it's fine. Okay. okay. Uh,
1: and in the last week, I have been mostly busy just getting back on with the audiobooks for Fantastic Books Publishing. To be honest.
0: And bugging me for more music. Bugging
1: you for more music, yeah, absolutely. Finding excuses to go into the Elite Dangerous beta and play that. That's actually been quite good. More on that later. So, yeah, moving on. Uh, So, LaveCon. So, we are Lave Radio. For those of you who are kind of newish to the community, because the beta and things are bringing lots of new people in, we are an Elite Dangerous podcast. We talk about stuff that happens on the forums, stuff that happens with the game, and we have, in a sort of, I think, quite accidental way over the last couple of years, um, ended up running a conventions for fans of Elite to meet up. If you listen to the Lave Radio live podcast, which was from LaveCon, you can hear the story about that. But yeah, so we've just had LaveCon 2014, our second event, and I thought tonight would be a good opportunity for us to have a bit of a chat about, I don't know, our favourite bits, what we liked... What surprised us? Let's go to Lisa. You obviously weren't involved in all of our running around and organising things, so you no. came with the sort of fresh pair of eyes. So how did you find it?
2: I actually found it really fun. Being pretty much a newbie to Elite Dangerous certainly, and to Cotton, because obviously I didn't attend the previous year. It was really interesting to see the dynamic between organisers, fans. Frontier who turned up in quite a large sort of scouting party it seemed. It was really interesting to watch develop and be part of.
1: What sort of things did you see that you enjoyed? Does anything stand out for you?
2: Yeah I thought the panel with Frontier was very telling of both the structure of the community and of the studio themselves. So coming from an outside perspective not having an awful lot of background to go on. Like I've done some reading and was semi-prepared for a con environment with a Q&A but it surprised me how candid the devs were willing to be with the community and vice versa like you could tell there was prior and that it was a good positive relationship you know like when you get with friends who are happy to sort of take the mick out of each other a little bit and a bit of to and throw and it it felt like that between the community and the devs and that's the first time I think I've ever seen that dynamic in action.
0: I think it was really interesting actually because of course when they first showed up they were all in little huddles Yeah they looked
2: nervous as hell
0: And Michael obviously had been the previous year So just kind of knew the score And we should say for the benefit of those that don't know This is executive producer Michael Brooks Who is the executive producer for Elite Dangerous And was present at LaveCon 2013 So of course he kind of knew the reception he was going to get and so just strutted around like he owned the place and the rest of them were sort of left in these huddles to begin with and then gradually they started to disperse when they realized that actually there was an awful lot of love in the room for the work that they'd done and people were really keen to have a chat to them and and talk about it and praise them for what they'd done so so yeah so i thought that was that was very funny
1: yeah and i I think particularly from the developer's point of view if all you've ever seen of your community perhaps is the forums knowing what to expect when you meet all of them in a room is probably probably quite a daunting thing to anticipate
2: forums can be a terrifying place or places through personal experience but I know I found it really interesting how yes Michael Brooks seemed very at ease with the whole thing and Alan very kindly introduced me to a couple of the other guys on the design team, Sandy and Mike, and it was really interesting talking to them and how they sort of opened up. There was sort of the trepidation initially and but they're such nice guys and they're like talking about and passionate about what you're discussing it just sort of any sort of wall disappears which is lovely to see from a dev team
0: is it me or does sandy have a bit of the david brent about him
2: i think he's (laughs) lovely he's so lovely
0: (laughs) it was just just the smile it wasn't the attitude. Is it me?
2: What, a little bit of a grin? Cheeky grin?
0: Well, the yeah, the David Brent grin, yeah, or maybe the Ricky Gervais grin.
2: Yes, he does have a little bit of an air of, like, the cheeky chappy about him.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably the most diplomatic way we could put it.
2: I am <laughs> so nothing we diplomatic.
0: We won't refer to Sandy as Mr Brent. No. <laughs>
1: Um, But I think, yeah, I mean, it was nice. And it was nice that such a kind of representative spread of different people at Frontier came. I mean, Mike, bless him, you know, didn't really get many questions on his expert area in terms of the game development, because this is the guy basically who's programmed the flight model for Elite Dangerous, which is a huge part of the game. I mean, you know, that's something that will touch absolutely every player, regardless of how they play the game. And I think there was sort of, it was a bit of a shame that there were no questions for him. But I think it's one of those things where... Other than the fact that you know he's programmed the flight model, it's kind of hard to know what to ask because I don't think people understand
3: it. Just to add just a small bit to what Lisa said about the Frontier crew, I just still gobsmacked how many of them turned up. Michael Brooks was the only one who knew what something might be like. And he just said, well, last time I was there, it was like 30 people. So for them to make the effort was great. And I hope, obviously, we didn't put them off in any way because, you know, it was just fantastic to have them there. The event itself. Now, the first day, looking back at first, I was like, what was I doing that first day? I, I know I was in the LAN room, but what was I actually doing? And it seemed a bit of a blank. But then on reflection, people were turning up basically throughout the whole entire day with their PCs. And so there was so much moving stuff around and to accommodate the people to a LAN, which we suspected was going to have 12 PCs in it, I think, originally. And I think in the end we had excess of 30. And I think we only just managed to accommodate it. If if there's going to be a LAN next year, it's certainly going to be bigger. But that was that was a bit of a highlight for me because just seeing all those people with all their different gear, talking to people about how they play the game was really interesting. The second day, though, I got to do what I really want, which was play Elite Encounters, the dating game, sorry, role-playing game. And I absolutely loved it. It was the first role-playing game I ever played. I know that might sound a bit weird to some people who think I'm a bit of a nerd, but it was. What a fantastic introduction.
0: It was very funny, John. I spoke to your brother about this while we were tidying up, and he said, well, that's the thing with John. He gets into something, he's just in it. And you did, literally, went in there to go and play the game, and we never saw you. (laughs) <laughs> well there are i know i, I never
3: saw you <laughs> the thing is the um the game i was meant to be in was scheduled for two o'clock but because we ran over i think with what we did at two o'clock we had the raffle i'm sure alan will talk about the uh, labor revolution the movie crew talking to us about you know their plans for the movie i was running late from that and to be fair to david hughes he wasn't gonna let me go <laughs> he held me there hostage <laughs> But I was kind of glad for it, though, because, you know, I backed that project and I've had absolutely no time to look at it until then. So for me, that was a fantastic experience. But
0: it was very funny that you came out and the convention had basically been packed away. (laughs) (laughs) you did just emerge.
3: It was win-win. And, um, (laughs) uh, yeah, I I, I kind of felt a pang of guilt for about five minutes. Uh, (laughs) But my brother was there in my stead. So well done to Chris as well.
1: <laughs> no, no, yeah, but I, mean, a big, I mean, a big shout out and a thank you to Dave Hughes because, I mean, he was scheduled, I think, to do four games over the course of the weekend. And I was a bit gutted because I wanted to try out the role-playing game. But all of his stuff was scheduled against things that kind of I was doing. And I was sort of, you know, I was talking to uh, to Dave in the evening and saying, oh, you know, not going to get a chance to play it. And he's like, oh, I'll run a, I'll run a special game for you guys which we didn't sit down to do until about half past midnight on the Saturday night. And then Dave sat down and started a game with us, which I think...
2: Is that the one that I ended up taking pictures of?
1: You might have done. It was late Saturday night. It was in the main room. Yes,
2: it was the late night one where I kept giving him ideas for other people. (laughs) And then went, I should probably go. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, you know, bless him for staying up and doing it. And bless him for coping with a group of gamers at that time in the morning. That's dedication
2: for you, isn't it?
1: Why wouldn't I wouldn't have put up with a table of gamers like that. I'd have killed them all off as quickly as I possibly could.
0: <laughs> I had dinner with him after the weekend and he was absolutely ecstatic with the feedback that he'd had. Really, really enthused about the whole project and and you know came away from the weekend really feeling like he'd sort of gained so much from the fact that he'd run the test sessions. So I think it's a win-win in all respects, really.
2: I had nothing but positive praise for both him and the game all weekend, which meant that I felt a little bit sad that I missed out, but it's definitely enthused me to want to play it in future.
1: And I should say as well that I think Dave is planning, for anybody who is attending Fantasticon, which is another Elite Dangerous themed convention in a a month or so, Dave is planning to be there and running more games. So
0: if you do want to get a chance to try it, do go along. Alan, so much, what will you choose? So you're asking me my favourite bits of LaveCon. Well, I can say to start with that playing Elite Dangerous was not my favourite bit of LaveCon because I only got about five minutes, at about I think it was about half past one to get on my computer, which I had set up and then left for, for most of the weekend. And it crashed out on me. So yeah, so I, I I basically I I think I picked up some cargo, got halfway to a space station, Exited Super Cruise and the game crashed. We think that the reason it crashed was because the person next to me loaded up the game. (laughs) So I think he might have nicked my bandwidth just at that point in time. Uh, I was going to say, because if if, if the bug fix
1: from that is you can't play Elite Dangerous while anyone else connected to the internet is playing it, that would be quite a big bug.
0: I think it was because we were both plugged into the same small hub and, you know, and obviously in circumstances of planning for next time, we'll look at, you know, sort of a different distribution of, of how that's all set up. But it was quite funny that it was the only five minutes that I had to play the game. Which, <laughs> and I've not played the game, as most people know, I've not played the game properly since Alpha 2. Played it a little bit in Alpha 3, little bit in premium beta, as in loaded it up and then hyperspace to one place. Journey to the space station docked that was it, so that is pretty much my playing experience, so that wasn 't my favorite bit. The raffle to death or raffled to death, <laughs> I think we will call it. yeah, I think next year we'll call it raffled to death. you know this sheer amount of stuff that was in that raffle was awesome. you mean mugs uh, not
2: just stuff, just mugs
0: to be fair i 've still got the stuff that 's to be sent out by post, which incidentally we are getting onto to next week after Karen and I have had a couple of days break we're going to um, yeah, sort of start sorting that out next week so if you won anything and you haven't received it yet don't worry it's on its way but, yeah, no, in terms of, you know, we've got boxes of stuff to send out and, and it's not just mugs, you know, there's the the keyrings, there's the other stuff that people donated, you know, the fact that, you know, we had artwork, we had all sorts of things in there. The voice attack licenses, I was gutted I didn't get a voice attack license. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that, that that was an awesome, you know, oh, sort of giveaway.
2: Very generous, I have to say. Yeah. Like, well done to everybody all round who donated to that.
0: And... Seeing the ED Tracker guys, that was fantastic. The kits that they've produced for, for ED Tracker were awesome. And I've you know, i said already, I need to get me one of them. But personal highlight, probably the writing workshop. Really enjoyed running the writing workshop. Lovely discussion with everybody that came along. We weren't sure how popular it would be. It turned out it was really popular. So definitely something we want to do again. Reading a little bit from Lave Republic was nice. Uh, it was nice to have a contrast between... Drew's stuff, my stuff, Gavin's stuff, Stephen Diaz's stuff, to sort of see the different flavours of writing. Yeah, so that's probably it.
1: And so the Writer's Workshop, not too much of a busman's holiday for you.
0: (laughs) I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. And of course, obviously, biggest thing that contributed to making everything work was the fact that this year we had Karen to run stuff because she is a logistics wizard. Oh yeah, totally.
1: (laughs) I don't know what we'd have done if Karen hadn't been involved. Well, my highlight of the weekend, I mean, Alan's already mentioned it. I think my surprise highlight, and I think it's quite nice when you organize an event with loads of content and then you go to it and something kind of still surprises you. I've already mentioned Dave Hughes and his his role-playing game because that was just amazing. But yeah, the Ed Tracker, the ED Tracker guys, that was my surprise highlight of the weekend. Because I will confess, when we've kind of mentioned the stuff that they've posted on the forums and the things they were talking about certainly for my part i can't speak for the rest of you guys but i've kind of mentioned it in terms of a thing that is going on on the forums but i'll be honest i've never really understood it and i didn't understand what they were doing and when i'd go on the forums and see a thread that basically involved talking about you know soldering circuit boards and stuff i just i just kind of checked out and i didn't really take on board what it was they were doing and i have to say sitting down and trying one of their trackers built and working it's incredible. And Alan's saying he's got to get one. I ordered one there and then on the spot. And it came a couple of days ago, which honestly is why I've been playing the Elite beta so much, because I've enjoying using the head tracker so much. And really, people should look up the head tracker guys and see what they're doing. Because even if you're kind of put off by the hobbyist part of it, I mean, I just don't have time to learn how to solder chips and things. But I mean, it is a phenomenal piece of kit. I think that being able to look around drastically changes your Elite Dangerous experience. And I think, yeah, the guys did a great show. They were soldering kits there and then in front of people. They were selling them on the day. And I just think, yeah, they were just such a such a surprise for me to see something that just wowed me so much. And in the same way that kind of Oculus Rift, when you try it, it really impresses you. This, I tried it and it, and it really impressed me. And to be honest, for the amount they charge for it, even if you're looking at, you know, getting one of the commercial Oculus Rifts when they come out, this is a great interim solution so do look up what these guys are doing
4: you've flown ships at max speed Mm. you've felt the power of the 30 megawatt mining laser Mm. you've experienced the efficiency of the mb4 mining machine wow but it leaves every hardcore miner with just one question why
1: can't i get a shave that's that fast close and efficient
4: Introducing the Saracen MB-5 Shaving Drone. It's so smooth. Combining the power of a mining laser with the convenience of a drone. It's like every hair is targeted by a fighter and destroyed. Saracen's patented shaving drone attaches to your face at the start of the day. Leave it to do its work, and when you come back to check, your face is shaved. He's so smooth. It's like I'm mining my face. The Saracen MB-5 Shaving Drone. Now I feel manly. Saracen Shaving. Making shaving an unnecessary adventure. The Federal Navy. We want you for Adventures Unlimited. Just last week I was mixing Sidewinder slammers at a CD space bar. I wasn't even pilot registered. And now I have a ship and a basic starting mission for the Federal Navy. Owing to recent actions in the Lave region, the Federal Navy now seeks to recruit another 1,000 entry-level pilots. We need you to add your strength to our military machine.
1: I'm going to see the galaxy.
4: We have missions for all pilots, regardless of combat experience or flight hours. Come and talk to us and we'll get you on the military ladder. Join the Federal Navy. Make a real pilot of yourself. Or die, frying. Wait, what's that? Is, that? is that a ship coming?
3: Are they looking for me? What do they...
1: Okay, so we're already... It may surprise some of you to learn. We're already talking about LaveCon 2015. Alan and Karen have been traveling all over the the furthest reaches of a small part of the country to find venues and to look at places that are going to be good for LaveCon 2015. Okay, so coming back to everything that's happening with Elite Dangerous now... We've had some new Peaks of the Week from Frontier, uh, and we've had a new newsletter. So picking up on the first of these, we've got some more, not really concept art, it's a sort of unpainted 3D model of, I think, probably the next ship, maybe to appear in the next build of the game. Alan, tell us what this is.
0: This is the Viper Mark III. Nice. As noted at LaveCon, exclusively, that it is not the Viper Mark two It is the Viper Mark III. <laughs> Although, let us remember that, of course, when David Braben says that something is something, that occasionally these things then become what David Braben has said they are. So, <laughs> that caveat I think is still there. It will be a touch irritating if it it reverts to being the Viper Mark II, because there is obviously already published fiction that talks about the, the Viper Mark II as being decommissioned in favour of the Viper Mark III. However, which, which um, particular what book I... is that, Alan? <laughs> That'd be my book (laughs) on the advice of Mr. Brooks when he made the original statement that actually it was the Mark III. Uh, That was back in November. Anyway, actually at Frontier, Mike Evans let us know when we were having a chat, when Lisa and I were having a chat to him. It's known at Frontier as just the Viper and if you recall from the Kickstarter that there was some mention from David Braben when he was doing some of the original videos for the Kickstarter that they did a gameplay video and he had to put the the voiceover on afterwards after they'd done the play. He said just just because the Viper is just so obscenely fast in terms of playing and he couldn't concentrate. This is the thing that we're kind of looking forward to with this ship it's going to be the de facto police patrol craft we do know that the eagles will be used a little bit in some systems too we also know there's some fed fighters and imperial fighters in some systems and and some space stations but the de facto you know sort of hunter killer police craft is the viper and It'd be very interesting to see what it does
1: yeah absolutely because no one really worries when a couple of eagles show up but honestly you know you don't really want to take this thing on has the form factor of it changed slightly is it slightly squatter than it was before or is that just the camera angle that we're looking at
0: i'm not sure if it's slightly different to the other concept art i think it's it's pretty much the same as the other concept art but for backers who perhaps have joined us later and are, are just coming into beta or perhaps didn't see some of the information beforehand the viper went through a complete redesign from the previous games the previous games essentially the shape of the viper was a diamond shape the classic diamond shape and this one is much more you know the sort of divided point at the front with the two uh you know two sort of ends and then the the sort of inset radio pylon or cannon that they've they've got in there as a as a mounting very, very different to what it was before. And also the the side sponsons on the back that, that look like they're either maneuvering jets or, or something else. You know, it is a much redesigned beast. By comparison to most of the other classic ships, really, it is probably the one that has been most redesigned in terms of its shape.
1: Yeah, and looks a little bit reminiscent maybe of the Wipeout
0: anti-grav racers. Or the A-Wing. Yeah, got a little bit of the A-Wing about it.
3: Just to complete the nerdiness, I was actually looking for hard points. I don't know whether it's because it hasn't been textured, but it's not obvious where the hard points are. Are they perhaps all on the bottom, or I'm not too sure?
1: I think it's those two things just in front to the left and right of the cockpit.
0: With the arrows on them.
1: No, I'm talking about actually on the flat deck in front of the cockpit. Okay. There's, yeah, uh, yeah. I there's see. These, what you mean. There's bits that looks like a couple Pop of flaps ups. that might open mm. up.
3: Pop As pops. I said, it wasn't obvious.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Dem- demonstrating your
2: point quite ably. So you mentioned before that traditionally it was sort of more diamond shape. For me. This sort of matches the aggression that perhaps it's capable of asserting. Like you said, you know, you don't you don't mess with it. So you sort of have to update it to look like you don't mess with it either.
1: Well, I kind of It's funny with the, the old Viper, because it had such a sharp nose. I always thought it was a bit like the submarine in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, that its primary weapon, if all else fails, is it could just fly through you. That was always what the old Viper made me feel—that it had this pointy end because they it's just, just thought to know what? your ship. Yeah, if we run out of weapons, we'll just breach your hull, and that'll be fine.
3: Perhaps um, they could stick a massive knife on the front of it. Is yeah. that what you're suggesting?
1: <laughs> yeah, big a big Warhammer 40k style chainsword.
2: I'm pretty sure that's a, a new sort of technique for piracy in space. Just you know, ram it, impale yourself on the other ship.
1: i will say that the technique of flying into the ship you're trying to kill i I have proven time and again recently that does not work
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's certainly not yeah it's certainly not a technique well unless you're you're flying a freighter it kind of works i guess you can mow over sidewinders in a freighter i'll tell you what else Um, it doesn't
1: work on it doesn't work on that new space station (laughs)
0: <laughs> because
1: I, for the first time today i found the new space station and i tried to do a fly a kind of along its length and i didn't realize halfway along it there are these things that kind of swing over when you're not looking and uh, so i i docked with about nine percent hull it was fine it was fine um The second peak of the week we also have is a glimpse at the new playable area for the new beta, which is coming on the, I think is it 29th of July? And yeah, we've been given an indication from Michael Brooks how the playing area has changed. Now, I can't work out in here. Is this a bigger playing area or is there more star systems in the same playing
0: area? Well, just to give an indication for the backers that perhaps haven't seen stuff up until now, or those who are interested up until now, what we've been doing in the existing iterations of the game is we played through, to start with, in Alpha 1, we had a series of scenarios that were just in one location, which we didn't really know much about. In Alpha 2, we had a set of multiplayer scenarios. In Alpha 3, those multiplayer scenarios started to become located. And then in Alpha 4, they were properly located as locations, space stations, and star systems. The point here is, obviously, is that we've... You know, we've expanded slowly in terms of what's there. And actually now we've got quite a large sort of area. What I can't see is there's 20, 30 systems here, maybe more, aren't there? Maybe 50 systems. But what I can't see is I can't see any of the sort of previous game systems at this stage. Now we know... That they are in the game, you know you can search the map and you can go and have a look through, and as I've said in some other information, actually a lot of the fiction material is now in the game, so if you search for some of the star systems that you've you've read about in some of the books, the authors have actually had a bit of time to you know to put some information on those star systems in, which is really cool but yeah, here. I can't see any of the sort of the classic frontier systems like um, Fector or Alioth and what have you. You know, they're not there yet. Well, th- so it's still a controlled area.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're not they're not visible in this version of the the beta, but they are they are in the map. I did find them actually yeah. because yeah, um, oh, yeah. And it's all to do with the fact that the galactic map now has thickness, and actually, I think there was a post Michael put on there today, and um, the Empire is about hundred and three light years down. Mm. So you basically have to drop all the way through this map. I found Akenar anyway, in Faseas. Mm. And I suppose from there, you'd have to kind of use a bit of a judgment to remember where the old worlds are, because I think, mm. you know, certainly in Frontier, they were down and left a bit from the Empire. <laughs>
0: well, we're starting to appreciate now, because David Braben told us that, you know, the map for Frontier was effectively was was flattened onto a two-dimensional plane, yeah, and they've said that the the thing that they're doing for the new game is to make it three-dimensional, make it accurate, and of course we're starting to appreciate that now in terms of what we can see. Jokes about Morgor have already started.
3: Massive export of rings.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> nice. I was going
1: to say, does one not simply hyperspace into Morgor? It is folly.
0: <laughs> you don't take an eagle into Morgor, do you? <laughs> That's nice, I love like that.
3: <laughs> that's the that's... nerdiest thing that's ever been said on this podcast. And, and that, is that is saying something. I do, I, do expect I think... there
2: to be some sort of stellar body called the Eye of Morgor.
3: Nice. Um, can yeah. I say something sensible? <laughs> some people have done some calculations based on distances from what we already know about the systems. And apparently this new radius represents 30,000 cubic light years, which makes me think that looking at the map, we're seeing lots of names. I think someone counted them up. There's like 40 or 50 of them or whatever. But if, if you know how the way the galactic map works, there's still like several levels of zoom that you can do within that bubble, which would reveal more labels. And I think they've just been quite tight-lipped, and I think that there's more within that bubble than just those ones that are named on that screenshot.
1: I wouldn't be surprised,
0: Mm -hmm. actually. In the existing iteration, you can look in the galactic map and kind of pick out what star systems are around that area.
2: The main ones that have the icon, if you like, with the dot and the sort of parentheses above it, there are smaller ones that you can still see within the bubble that have nothing attributed to them.
1: The other thing I think would be interesting to see with this new gameplay because they were talking about adding fuel as a constraint. So what's happened in the the current version, playable version of the beta, um, is you can pretty much fly anywhere, wherever you like all the time, and there's no fuel consideration. And they were talking about that being the next kind of gameplay consideration. The other thing that I think would be interesting, they haven't mentioned, with obviously this being such a huge area, is whether or not now jump distance becomes a factor. Because again, in the current version of the BT, you've got this kind of circle of systems and you can pretty much jump between them you know, at will. If you fly to one system and you're not making a profit on your current hold, other than the time that it's taken to get there, there is nothing stopping you just taking off and flying somewhere else. But what do we think with this new map? Are we going to see systems being out of your jump radius and maybe having to make multiple jumps?
3: I think there's going to be a gold rush, In terms of finding out um, the best routes because if I remember correctly from the fuel proposal in the DDF short jumps require less fuel than long jumps and, and therefore you may find it more efficient to jump between systems than to try and jump straight to a system and that obviously then has implications on if you're smart about your routing you can get further out on the same amount of fuel So I think that now that um, fuel's a consideration, that's just adding an extra level of kind of complexity and gameplay to it. So there's now actually an extra thing for people to be doing.
0: Going to change the trade economy as well, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, there have been a fair few grumbles in relation to how flat the trade economy becomes when you've only got a limited number of star systems. Be interesting to see the comparison. It's one of the reasons I put a thread up this week about complete wiping, because you know you kind of want to see how quickly trade bottoms out in a larger sandbox so you can model it and then move further in terms of uh, the next sort of size of sandbox when we get to the full iteration of the game
2: in terms of scaling an economy especially in the size that elite will eventually be it's very important like alan said to monitor how it progresses as you open up the space and potential trade points because otherwise ultimately you can completely break the economy on a fundamental level if it's not something that you pay attention to if you're already saying that it was flattened out in the sort of very limited space that they had before they're going to want to know how Opening the playing field changes this over X amount of time if people go at it sort of hammering tongs style.
1: Yeah, in terms of trying to encourage gameplay, sort of exploring around the system, one of the things I remember from playing Frontier Elite 2 was once you find a good trade run, it's actually very hard to break away from that and to kind of go and explore other systems. I mean, you do eventually, because of course. One of the reasons you're doing the profitable trade runs, you know, is to upgrade your ship. And once you have a nicer ship, you do kind of go elsewhere and do other things. But I do remember from the trading aspect of the game, there was a tendency to stay very local. Because actually, if you're a trader and you're trying to find a good return on buying from a planet and taking it to another planet, there isn't really a lot of benefit for you to explore by venturing off to a new system in a direction that you haven't been before. Because you don't know what the profits are going to be there so i wonder if that's something that bothers frontier whether they care whether traders kind of establish a patch and don't leave it or whether they do want to encourage people to kind of get around a bit
3: i think this kind of feeds into the new role that's effectively been created which is the expiration role and i think that there's going to be two distinct types of people perhaps you'll have stuff in the middle of course but you know, there's going to be some people who are going to be interested in making as much cash as possible so they can get a decent ship. But at the same time, you're going to have people who are going to be going out and exploring as soon as possible. And I think this whole idea of discovery and trading that discovery information is actually going to perhaps entice the traders to kind of leave whatever the new milk runs are. You know, as soon as they get wins that there's another couple of thousand credits per trade, if only they just hop over between these other two systems... I think that's actually going to help them out.
2: From like a complete outside perspective, I think that's one of the main things that Elite has going for it, is that it will have a true explorer path. There's going to be ultimately in the final release, there's going to be so much space for you to meander through, if you like, that it makes it a viable game option. Whereas most multiplayer games, there's the, there's a lot harder limit on the space that you can poke around. Whereas this, it's, you know, it's going to take somebody or groups of people an awful long time to do even a small percentage of discovery of the space that they're aiming to have, which for me is mind-blowingly awesome
3: I have a question for Alan actually in the as a history of the galaxy people already know where you know how far people have gone how far they've traveled and what galaxies are actually inhabited how's that actually going to gel with the idea that of exploration and discovering these places because surely we know that they exist or people have been there before
0: Do you mean in terms of what's colonised and what isn't colonised?
3: Yeah, I mean, is it going to be the case that all colonised places are just available on the map? Because if that's the case, then being an explorer is going to be a bit tougher because you're going to have to go quite far out to what is the frontier of civilised space before you can actually start exploring properly. Or are they going to kind of have some kind of amnesia that, you know, you're not sure... Whether or not that that place is still colonised, and when you do arrive there, woo, there's people there and they're willing to trade.
0: I think there's a little bit of both. I think you've also got to remember that space tourism is also a a viable pathway in the game. So in terms of trading map data, if you go to systems from previous games, you're unlikely to be selling routes to those systems necessarily. But of course. Saying that there's an awful lot in the sort of the journey, as it were, because you know what you were saying about shorter jump routes and stuff and or working out stopping points between systems and stuff that kind of data is is pretty valuable as well, so it really depends on what frontier wants to do. I mean they have talked about human space as a bubble essentially, so I would assume what they've probably done is they've looked at the two dimensional map that was, and they've kind of modeled that in a three dimensional sense and then tried to draw a sphere around it to try and work out, you know, what human colonized space is. I'm not sure about collective amnesia in certain places, but you might find that colonies that are not popular will be interesting. And, you know, I mean, if you think on the planet we have, somewhere like Pitcairn Island, you know, is a very infrequently visited place. And I'm sure there'll be a few places that uh, that are like that within the colonized sphere. So you may still find that there's, you know, there's stuff to trade in terms of commodity, you know, finding locations in that regard. But also the space terrorism economy with regards to going off and seeing the sights of of Alioth's sons or, uh, you know, seeing the sunset on Lave, or whatever. Those things, I think, are going to be certainly a viable commodity as things go forward.
3: Space can be lonely. But sometimes that's just what you want. Choose your holiday. The gas giants of Alioth. Partying the night away in Yorkville on Aquarium or even go back and find your ancestors on earth. The Rockforth Corporation makes your holiday special and will let nothing disturb you. Want to tour the frontier? Travel with Colmac Reeve and our new fleet of passenger starliners. We've opened up
4: the universe for a range of budgets. Option one, luxury.
2: My husband and I like to travel in comfort. The new luxury cabins were like a home away from home. After all, one's home is a castle.
4: Option two, first class.
2: We'd saved up a bit for a really special trip. The first
4: class cabins were like nothing we've travelled in before. Really luxurious. Option three, travel cabin. We would a trip
1: with Cormac Reeves monthly lotto, a travel cabin for two on a starliner around the solar system. Once in a lifetime for us, simply amazing.
4: Option four, basic accommodation.
2: Me and my mates just wanted to hitch around the universe. It's so great that we have the option of getting a really cheap cabin to see the sights. It saved us loads.
0: And for the budget conscious, and slaves, we have our cheapest option yet.
1: Well,
4: I needed a... And we won't sell any of those frozen passengers into slavery, I promise. Colmac Reeves all budget tours, seeing the galaxy from luxury to freezing tubes.
1: So coming up next in the world of Elite Dangerous, we have the standard beta, which starts on the 28th of July. Um, John, what details can you give us about what we're likely to see?
3: Well, actually, a lot of the details we probably just failed to mention on the last podcast, which was recorded live at LaveCon because we were so excited. But um, basically, things to look forward to. We've already talked about it in in terms of the the new bubble that we're going to be experiencing in standard beta, and that's fuel. It's going to really kind of change the dynamics of the entire galaxy, I think. Another big one is comms. Players are now actually going to be able to communicate with each other and they'll be able to do voice communications if they're in the same system or they will be able to do text communications across the entire galaxy. And the big, big news, I think, because a lot of people have been waiting for this moment, is a concept of grouping with other players. Um, You're going to have friends lists and this is actually going to be a big change to the game in so much that any people who've been playing it with their friends online at the moment if you go to a certain part of the galaxy or you go to a certain uh, scenario you're not guaranteed to be matched with each other so there's been problems with that Well, from now on they've changed the matching algorithm so if someone's on your friends list you are most likely to be matched with them so I think that's going to be a big boon to the multiplayer aspect of the game
0: also just to add in relation to this obviously with the fact that the testing is opening up you know we're getting to new tiers of the testing enclave the testing group the users We've got a load of new people coming in. For some of them, their experience essentially, you know, when they bought Beta, it might be they might have bought it last week, they might have bought it in the Kickstarter and kind of forgotten about Elite Dangerous for 18 months. They might have bought it midway through. But the point there being is that this is going to be their first experience of getting into the game and coming back to the community as it were. You know, I know some people have obviously have, have got involved in the community prior to playing the game. But for others, the game will be their link into, into seeing what other things are going on on the forums and what other things are going on with other users. So obviously, if they get any problems, they might come on the forums and look at the support pages and then they'll go browse around and go, oh, Escape Velocity. wonder what that is. I think here is a really important moment because this is where we really open up to a very, very big group. And I'm really looking forward to seeing those beta backers come into the game And seeing their experiences and seeing how they, you know, they get used to it and how they enjoy what's there. And I think certainly for us, we've kind of been following this now for for a long time in doing these shows. And this is something new. You know, this is going to bring a lot of uh, new experience and a lot of new impressions. So, you know, for those of you who are out there who haven't listened to Lave Radio before now, don't feel you have to come and listen to our complete back catalogue, but there is some really good stuff. And at the same time, welcome. And please do, once you get in, tell us about it, you know, because we're interested and we want to know what you think and we want to know, you know, what your impressions are. And we have
1: a thread you can post in.
0: Absolutely. Well, we've got several. We've got the the sticky thread for Lave Radio, which obviously we're we're more than happy to have people post stuff in. We've got ED Chat on the Skype set up where we've got a load of community people who can quickly help you out if you haven't received a reply on support or something else, and also, we've got the TeamSpeak set up. Lave Radio's TeamSpeak's free for everyone to use. You can use it any way you want. We don't care. And, you know, it'll just enable you to get in touch with other gamers who enjoy, you know, this game perhaps as much as you do and can kind of point you out. Perhaps if, you know, you're not enjoying something, they can point you out on a couple of things and say, look, over here, and can kind of help you out in terms of setting up and sorting things. Yeah.
2: If I can jump on the back of that, because for me, a standard beta is going to be basically my endpoint. point I'm going to be trying to document my experiences as a new commander. So I feel like it sort of dovetails into that slightly. If people want to check out my journey, going from basically next to no knowledge at all to, oh, God, I'm piloting a ship.
0: Where can we find that, Lisa?
2: So I'll probably be putting initial content on my own gaming blog, which is voosreview.com. If it goes well and people are interested in seeing things from my sort of completely oblivious perspective, then I may open up a dedicated stream. I don't know yet.
0: The thing we noticed when we first went into Alpha and everybody was able to play multiplayer, you guys had a pretty difficult experience, didn't you, John? You and Foz found that being live radio people... It was a bit tricky.
3: People seem to want to have our scalps <laughs> which is perfectly understandable, but I changed my commander name.
0: <laughs> we ended up having to go around as a pack.
2: Well I haven't got a commander name yet, so Okay, well uh... when you do
0: keep it to yourself. <laughs> I, you
2: know i'm ready to slog it out i'm ready to have the experience it's all good bring it on
0: to be honest you just kind of have to go one way or the other if you if you're happy with it you're happy with it i as some people know i'm playing a character from my novel some people who have read the book may have worked out who it is john's only 50 percent through it so he probably has but yeah so you know i mean that that was that was sort of a, a decision anyway but it did mean that when I got into multiplayer, nobody went and came after me because I didn't know who I was. So that was fine. Can I, yeah, just I mean, with
1: the new grouping system, they might not meet you anyway.
0: No,
3: that's very true. Very true.
2: It, it probably won't be Commander Boo, just in case anybody tries. <laughs> it probably won't be.
3: Can I just add in to all these new beta players? I seem to remember from the original Kickstarter comments page, concerns which have been expressed throughout the forums uh, and this is people who haven't necessarily been playing a lot of games recently have these concerns about for instance you know PvP and griefing and things like that and the good news to those people who are joining is that thanks to the alpha testing and the beta testing the frontier did make an announcement in one of the newsletters It's is something else that we should have pointed out that they have been making a lot of changes to the game to to make it more friendly to new players so that they're not going to find it too tough playing against aggressive players and that kind of thing is more secure space stations which will kind of protect you within a radius if somebody tries to attack you and things like that
1: okay so to finish up has anyone got uh, tips for new players coming in my one i should just say is If you don't like the fact that you can't steer left and right very quickly, don't post about it on the forums. The decision's been made. Live with it.
3: Slightly facetious, but (laughs) to be honest, I can't disagree with that as as a tip. To be fair to the Frontier Forums, I think that um, all the existing members on the whole are very patient and they're very helpful towards newcomers. I think as one of the contentious topics, you can read plenty of posts that have discussed your and you could quite quickly gather the developer's rationale behind the flight model. Uh, because the flight model is important, I understand that. And the information does exist in the design decision archive.
2: If I may be the voice of diplomacy once again, somehow, I'm not sure that how that happened. For new players, please. Make use of the search function in the forums. You will be grateful for the results that come back. People are wonderfully friendly and very helpful, but the search function will save you a world of trouble and time.
1: Okay, so. Uh, I think that's it for this week's show. Looking forward to seeing everybody in Standard Beta. Just as a shout out for the the new people coming to this podcast, we have our full cast audio drama series available for free through the Lave Radio website. That's at escapevelocity.laveradio.com. That series has now completed its, its second run, but you can listen back to all the episodes and hope you enjoy it. If you would like to contact us, we're... On the forums, we have our website, laveradio.com, we are on Twitter, at Laveradio, and we're on Facebook, search for Laveradio, and we should come up. We've also got, coming up, some behind-the-scenes stuff to do with Escape Velocity, uh, which Alan and I recorded for the Nine Worlds convention. Alan, what's going on with that?
0: Well, the idea is that they're going to run a broadcast podcasting track throughout the Nine Worlds convention, so there'll be a whole series of different programmes some lots of different science fiction podcasts. And Chris and I got together last week and just did a, a sort of a half hour on our processes of putting together Escape Velocity Seasons 1 and Seasons 2. Incidentally, if you've not heard Escape Velocity, Escape Velocity is Elite Dangerous's unofficial audio drama and is the basis for how we're then doing the official audio drama books or the audio books and the audio drama for Elite Lave Revolution. Escape Velocity is pretty much done by Chris. It's awesome and it's free. And if you're looking for something to give you an idea of what the Elite Universe is like, to sort of get you into the environment of what it's going to be like to play, maybe before the beta or before the gamma or before you buy the game, and you want to get a feel for the way in which it works, go listen to Escape Velocity. It's awesome. So yeah, anyway, we've done these two making-of docs. They'll go up on the podcasting track for Nine Worlds. It's at nineworlds.co.uk slash 2014 slash track slash podcasting. And then afterwards, they'll probably... Uh, get released on the Lave Radio site. So that'll probably be at the end of August. They'll come up on the Lave Radio site too.
1: But that wraps it up for this Lave Radio. Thank you very much for joining us, Lisa.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: And thank you very much, John and Alan.
0: It's good to be back. I'll be in my trailer.
1: (laughs) 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 And we will see you all next time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: <laughs> you need
1: a safe one.